welcome to Kanaka the Dead. Um, this lovely lady I got to meet, and I'm sad to say it's been that long, eight years ago now, and it feels like a month, you know, uh, that we've that we've known each other. And one of the first things she came to us with was a short film called Attack of the Killer Chickens. And with a title like that, you have to pay attention. So I would love to welcome Genevieve Rossi to the show. Genevieve, how are you? Fantastic. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Yes. I still remember vividly when you came and you said, look, I got this short. Let's get together and chat. And mm -hmm. uh, we had you on the, on the other podcast. That short is hilarious. It's fun. Thank you so much. And I, we had a lot of fun making it, actually. Attack of the Killer Chicken is the short film. We did that quite a few years ago. Um, and it was like a really fun film to, sh to write, to shoot, even to edit. <laughs> <laughs> I know some of the ideas are a little out there in there. I remember one about a certain gentleman with some chicken. Where did all of these thoughts come from for this short? <laughs> <laughs> That's how warped I really am. <laughs> you met Edward X. Young, who had some pretty interesting chicken scenes in that film. He said, my directing style was a combination of if uh, Ed Wood and John Waters had a baby, I would be their baby somehow. Oh wow, that is so good. That's, I can see that absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, if it was even possible for them to have a baby, but I think it is. I think it is, and I would be that baby, and then that <laughs> would be my directing. Um, and I do do actually really enjoy like Ed Wood's work, and I do really enjoy jo John Waters' work. And the feature I would say is probably very inspired by John Waters, probably more than I I realized. You know, probably like a lot of it subconsciously, you know, uh, popping up in there. And, it, you know, and it was also inspired by things like um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Attack of, you know, a 50-Foot Woman, um, Night of the Living Dead, all these kinds of zany movies that I grew up with and stuff. So we did this short film and it went to like 40 film festivals and I think it won about eight awards. And then we decided, you know what, let's make it a feature. So we, uh, me and Dave Stein... Uh, founded a production called, company called Cluck Cluck Productions. <laughs> and our first film is Attack of the Killer Chickens, the movie, which is due out later this year. That is awesome. That is awesome. I'm going to jump way back because when we first got together and started talking, um, uh, the title I remember you, you getting hold of me was Scream Queen Genevieve mm -hmm. Rossi. How did you decide this is the career path that you wanted to pick? Well, it's an interesting thing becoming a scream queen as it was. Um, it's kind of like if you're in a couple horror movies, all of a sudden you kind of get labeled a scream queen. <laughs> you know, kind of whether you like it or not, you know, it kind of happens. I could see that. Okay, I can see that. And if you look at your IMDb, there is a lot of horror that you are in. Is that a conscious choice or just what comes towards you? It's a little bit of both. I always loved horror movies, but then also horror movies are something that has such a large audience um, and they're always being made. You know, you could probably do a horror movie like every month and keep yourself really occupied. You know, look at people like, um, you know, Vincent Price or whatever. He kept himself so bit busy or Peter Cushing, like even in their time period, you people love horror movies. They just never go out of fashion. And people just want to keep on seeing more and more and more of them. So if you, so I, the consistency that I've had as an actress is partly because I do horror movies more than anything else. I have like 110 IMDb credits, I think, since like maybe 
2012 or something like that. You know, and there are like crazy movies like The Vampire Santa, you know, uh, Bloody Hooker Massacre, Attack of the Killer Chickens, you know. These are uh, some pretty insane, uh, you know, movies. But people love that. People, the crazier they are, the more people love them. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm going back to the very first credit, anyway, listed in IMDb, is I Spill Your Guts. Mm -hmm. How did you get involved in this project? Like, this was, this was the first one that kicked off your Scream Queen career. So what was it that pulled you into that project? Well, interestingly enough, how, how I had met um, the director, James Balsamo, on the set of Jacko Slasher. Um, which was technically filmed before I Spill Your Guts, but I Spill Your Guts was released sooner. Okay. And sometimes life is like that, because a lot of times with movies, sometimes we shoot a film, it could take months or years before the film is released, though. Because maybe the director's looking for just the right time to do it or something like that. Um, so, yeah, so I met James Balsam on the set of uh, Jacko Slasher. And we're, you know, we're in a cornfield, and I'm a Satanist. And things are pretty crazy. Um, we're in a haunted house kind of situation. And then I connected with him and my friend Bob Sachi, um, who's an actor I've worked with many times. And then I end up kind of collaborating with these people on an ongoing basis. Bob Sachi was also an I Spill Your Guts. Uh, James Balsamo, Lloyd Kaufman, Devra Rashawn, you know, and things like that. And then I Spill Your Guts, I think... Um, you know, we did that right after Jacko Slasher. It was edited, released sooner, got distribution sooner, and then a while later, Jacko Slasher was finished, and then that was released a little while afterwards. Um, so it just kind of, I feel like if you're, you have a good attitude um, and you're um, a good worker, you just organically move from set to set, working with more people, you know. Okay, I can see that. And yeah, you're right. Like literally in 2012, there are six titles. So Yeah, and that happened pretty organically, you know. Um the my two most common co-stars have been Bob Sanchi and Edward X Young. And um they're actually I think both in I Spill Your Guts and and Bob Sanchi's also in Jacko Slasher. And then later on I was with Bob Sanchi and I were um kicking some ass and uh Zombie Hunters City of the Dead. You know, we were like kicking ass and taking names and that one. <laughs> that was pretty fun. And, you know, and then it just kind of all just kind of snowballed after that with doing like movie after movie. I'm also in a city with Bob Sachi. That's kind of an interesting one. I'm like a villager. He's a priest. You know, some interesting things happen. That's kind of like an interesting movie, actually. That's like a um, like religious horror, I guess. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah, there's so many different subgroups of horror movies that it's amazing. You know, you have sci-fi horror, you have uh, comedy horror. I've been in a lot of comedy horrors. And then sometimes you even have, like, Christian horror or religious horror. And then sometimes you even have, uh, like, maybe a gay horror. Like, I did um, um, The Cannibal Killer, The Real Story, Jeffrey Dahmer, which is kind of like a... Uh, like a, a, a gay horror movie, which is actually a very popular, you know, subgenre. Also a true crime horror, which is also a very popular subgenre too. Serial killer horror, you know. There's all these interesting ones. Comedy horror is, is really popular though too. You know, people really love their comedy horror movies. No, no, that is absolutely true. And now I'm just going to jump back real quick to Cannibal Killer. Uh, 
what's it like trying to be in a movie that's based on reality? Because you, like you said, you're dressed as a nun in a cornfield with satanic people and stuff like that. It's like, okay, you can, you can pull your imagination, but when you're in something on Jeffrey Dahmer, like this is a factual story, how do you prepare for that kind of role? Well, just to be clear, in Jacko Slasher, I'm a sexy Satanist. Oh, so sorry. Yes. <laughs> Satanist. I'm a nun in some other movies though, but, but not that particular one. Um, well, you know, the Jeffrey Dahmer one was interesting because you can kind of do more like um, like very specific research on Jeffrey Dahmer and the murders that he committed. And uh, the film is really very much based on his true story. You know, there isn't really much uh, fictionalizing it at all. It's like very much like a true kind kind of horror movie. So that was easy kind of to do the research. And But then it's interesting because it's like you're doing research on this monster. This monster in this particular case is a real monster, a real human being who just was this, you know, terrible human being um, that, you know, his, his, his grandmother, his friends, like nobody really suspected him of being this terrible person that was like raping and killing and eating people and things like that and then painting their skulls up and things like that you know true sometimes truth is stranger than fiction mm -hmm. you know that's a it's a funnier uh, it's a crazier not funny but crazy uh crazier true story than a lot of fictitious stories that people make up that is so so true and that's where horror becomes like real horror because the fact that you said it's real this this person did this to other people and it's very hard to get rid of that disbelief like you like you said when you're a sexy satanist in a cornfield people can go okay that's just a story you know this is yeah it has like a certain campy or hokiness to it now the one fun thing that actually came out of uh, the jeffrey dahmer movie cannibal killer was i did have a scene uh, with randy jones from the village people oh really so that was kind of like a fun aspect to an otherwise dark film no so. doubt i didn't know there was a village people connection that's really cool <laughs> Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting, you know. Um, and then the village pe people, obviously, I guess, w were a band that was pretty popular among um, the whole, uh, I guess, the 1970s kind of uh, gay disco scene and things yeah. like that, which somehow, I guess, does kind of maybe find a place uh, a little bit in the Jeffrey Dahmer movie. You know, I don't know. Sure, well, why not? <laughs> when we go back to the beginning of your career, too, like I, we, we talked there were six in 2012 could get you started. But I just noticed in 2013, the very next year, you have 20 credits. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I like to I like to keep busy. At 2013, I, I kept myself really busy that year doing as many um, films as I could possibly do. And, um, it, and it was probably like a hectic year of just doing film after film after film. You know, in some of these movies, I'm on set for a couple of weeks. Some I'm on set for a day or two. Everybody, every film has like a different uh, level of commitment, I guess, you know. Uh, it can be challenging, obviously, when you're doing a lot of films like that, memorizing dialogue, you know, yeah. running your lines over and over again, um, you know, getting familiar with your character and your scenes and things like that, the travel aspect and things like that, you know. Pretty fun. Uh, one was uh, one that's kind of standing out as a pretty fun one was one was Attack of the Brain People. That's kind of like a sci-fi uh, horror kind of one. It's shot in black and white. That's pretty neat. Haunting Ooh. Day was a pretty interesting one. I remember when I was in England a couple of years ago signing autographs at Birmingham Horror Con. There was this guy. He was like twenty, and he was like, "I loved you in Haunting Day." And I'm like, "You saw me? 
in a short film named Haunting Day and you live in England? I'm like, I didn't even realize anybody in England would be familiar with that movie. Never mind recognize me from it, you know? That is very cool. Well, you just never know what how you work, especially now with obviously the internet and all these different um, platforms for films. You never know who and these people are watching your work and where they are. Well, and that was always the, the, the redheaded stepchild is the short film because in the festivals, sure, it, it's on the screen. But then once the festivals are over, they seem to disappear. And I always felt that was, you know, like a sacrilege because some of these short films are better than the pictures I've seen. So, oh, with- for sure. Haunting Day had a couple of lives because I think it ended up in a couple different anthologies. Okay. See, that is one place that shorts can go sometimes. But let's just take a look at Attack of the Killer Chicken. When you've been marketing that with festivals and stuff, how have you kept it in in the public eye? Um, well, it, it's a lot of hard work with a short film, like submitting it to all these different film festivals. Um, and then, you know, going to these film festivals, it's great if you can attend them and bring some of the cast with you, maybe even bring a chicken puppet and <laughs> kind of promote the film and meet people and kind of showcase the whole thing, doing a and a afterwards and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's a lot of marketing. It's a lot of networking. Um, it's a lot of putting yourself out there doing like the whole uh, film festival circuit with a short film or a feature. But it's fun. You know, it's fun, too. You know, you get to meet people and talk shop and stuff like that. So with, with all the credits, too, because like there's actress, writer, producer, director, casting director, you are the epitome of independent film, which means you wear every hat on the planet when you're putting together a picture. Mm-hmm. Which of those positions do you prefer? Well, I always enjoy acting. Yeah. That's probably like my first love. And then I also like directing because it's fun telling everybody what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you over okay. there. Say Can't argue that. That is true. That's it. Yeah, it's always nice. And then uh, and then writing the actual film is really challenging, I think, you know, to just like, uh, you're, it's almost like you're writing a play, you know, who's going to be standing where and what everybody's saying and having it all fit together and everything like that and then figuring out where you could, you could shoot the film easily and, and what you're going to need prop-wise and stuff like that. The writing and then getting things prepared from what you've written, I think, is probably the most difficult part. <laughs> You're even talking like an independent filmmaker because technically the writing and then the props and locations, that's producer, that's separate. But no, you got the independent film mentality going where you've got to plan for everything. Yeah, I wear many chickens in this film. (laughs) (laughs) So was Attack of the Killer Chickens the first thing you wrote? um, Not in my life or anything like that. No, I was like um, in college, I was English with a minor in journalism with a focus in creative writing. So I've written a lot of things like a lot of journalistic things, uh, short stories and things along those lines. But Attack of the Killer Chickens was the first time I wrote a short film or any kind of film. And then Attack of the Killer Chickens, the movie is the first time I wrote a feature film. Oh, wicked. Um, One of the other things I've noticed I I love looking at your IMDb for is the red when you get to the top of the imdb everything's in red pre-production post-production announced filming you know it shows how busy you are like one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen there's 14 credits that are in some state of production completed Mm -hmm. filming how do you line those up and maintain a schedule to be able to do something like that 
Um, it's not as difficult as maybe you would think it would be. You know, I contact people. I would, you know, um, we figure out that I'm going to be working on the film. And then um, when they can, they let me know what days they want to do the film. I block out those days. Um, it's kind of first come, first served. Whoever, you know, tells me what days we're going to be shooting right off the bat, I will block out those days. And then whoever comes later, I'll block out other days. Usually people can be a little flexible and accommodating because maybe you're shooting a film for three weeks and I tell you what days in that time period I'm available. <laughs> You gotcha. know? And then we'll figure it out from there and things along those lines. When traveling is involved, of course, it's a little more involved. Like, you know, like uh, the Vampire Santa, Santa will be filming in Kentucky. And there's some other films that we'll be filming, you know, um, in southern New Jersey. Um, also South Carolina. We have some films coming up in that I'll be shooting and things along those lines. So it can get a little involved. The more, The further you have to travel, the more planning and things like that go into place for sure. One of the credits uh, kind of intrigued me because you have a lot of independent film stuff, but then you've got an extra in Army of the Dead. Mm -hmm. What is the transition like from our independent film sets to Hollywood, Zack Snyder, <laughs> you know? Well, that was an interesting experience because I had um, submitted for that, not realizing what I was submitting for that. I was like, they need zombies, paid gay. So they're all right, I could be paid zombie, sure. So I submit myself, I send the pictures and stuff to like a Philadelphia casting company they're like you know you've been chosen show up the first day zombie training it's a zach schneider movie i was like wow i'm like i didn't realize this was gonna like be like a 70 million dollar uh, movie <laughs> and then we had to find a, a non-disclosure agreement um and things like that so they were very very careful about pictures and info being released about the film you couldn't have your cell phone on set um you couldn't call anyone while you were there or anything like that. You had to wash off all your makeup. You couldn't, you were contractually um, obligated not to go out in public at all in your zombie garb or anything like that. Wow. Yeah. You know, once you're done up as a zombie and you want to go out to your car for a sec, too bad, you know, or you want to <laughs> smoke a cigarette outside. Nope. You can't do that. You know, because we're working on a movie and nobody could see you because we don't want any spoilers. You know, what if TMZ's there? And somebody's got a camera and then you end up, you know, spoiling the movie and things like that and, and some of the element of surprise. And Zack Schneider was very good at really um, keeping everything under wraps until he was ready to kind of release a little bit of information here and there before the release. Um, but it was pretty interesting. You know, it's like a $70 million, you know, Netflix movie. Uh, Zack Schneider seemed like a very uh, good guy, very nice guy to work with and stuff like that. Very long days. Uh, call times were between 1 and 3 a.m. We went through hours of makeup and hair and costumes. And then you, maybe you start filming at 9 a.m. It'd be like a 17-hour day. Oh, wow. And then, you know, it takes like an hour or something like to shower and get all that zombie gook like out of your hair and off your face and off your body. Because my whole body was airbrushed. And then I have all this gook in my hair and all this crud all over me. It, it was crazy. <laughs> oh, wow. How long were you on the set? Um, A few days. A few days. And it was uh, like, and each day was probably about 17 hours. So it was pretty crazy. <laughs> so then if you had to pick between something like that or the independent film style, which would you rather work on? Whichever pays more. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, I'll take that answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whichever pays more. And you know what? And it's not necessarily the Zack Schneider movie that's going to pay more than the independent film. Because in the independent film, you might have a larger, more important character than the, Zar- the Zack Schneider. You might bring more value to the film than you do to the Zack Schneider film. Because I'm just a zombie, the Zack Schneider. But I'm in, like, you know, one of these indie horror films. And now I might be one of the leads or the supporting cast. Um, and I might be like a character that's really pivotal to the plot and storyline. Gotcha. Give you something to sink your teeth into when you're when you're on set. Oh, yeah. So it might not be as long of days shooting, but it might be more prepping, like memorizing your lines and getting yourself in character and researching your part. You oh. know, because acting, you know, acting is a lot of work and only part of it is being on set. A lot of it is preparing to be on set. Like you said, learning the lines and yeah, that I guess that is very true. You know, you can't mm-hmm. just grab a script, show up on the set and say, let's do it. <laughs> no, no. And then, and, and then theater even more so, because I've done a couple of plays that are on my MDB. Like I did one called Harlots and Heresy. And it's amazing all the rehearsals and how much you have to run the lines to be in a play. Like it's like hundreds and hundreds of times you're running through um, the script for the play until like really the dialogue is like kind of automatic and you know it's it, it is you know it's, it's very challenging for sure it's well, play, you don't get a second take it's it's live for lack of a better word like it's on oh my goodness and then if you know you're in the theater and you screw up or you forget your line you have to like you know get a figure way out of it so that the <laughs> audience doesn't realize it you know now you've also done some tv series too mm-hmm. and how does that differ from the independent horror films that you've done? Well, TV series are kind of interesting because you don't say you're going to be in the deuce and you don't actually find out until the night before what time they're going to need you on set. Oh, because, wow. Yeah, that's a little crazy. So it's like, how are you supposed to sleep when you don't know what time they need you the next day? Yeah. I don't know what the answer to that is. I guess you don't sleep. <laughs> that's right. Turn your ringer on really loud. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, because what you have to do is you have to usually check the website every couple hours the night before, like periodically to find out what the call time is going to be. Because when they're filming a TV show, the night before, like they're filming consecutive days, the TV show. Yeah. And they don't, so it's like, so maybe they're shooting Monday night and they don't know what time they're going to wrap. They wrap at six o'clock, then they're going to have an early call time. If they wrap at midnight, they're going to have a later call time the next day. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And they don't know when they're going to wrap. So then you keep on checking the website and finding out, okay, they just wrapped and they just decided that the call time tomorrow is going to be at noon, you know? So you got to be there at noon. Or, oh, they wrapped early. Call time tomorrow is 6 a.m. Got to be there 6 a.m. And it, and it could be anything at all. And then once in a while with these ones, like when I did uh, Gotham, those were overnight shoots. Oh, so you got there at like 8 p.m. Oh, yeah. And um, that doesn't really happen too much in indie horror genre where we do an overnight shoot, thank God. Um, but when you do TV shows, that definitely happens sometimes when you do an overnight shoot. You know, you get there like 8 o'clock in the evening and then you leave the following morning. And, and a lot of this stuff is very spur of the moment. You're like, you're like oh, I just found out tonight I'm going to be on Gotham. I got to be there at 8 o'clock at night. And it's an overnight shoot. 
So you didn't really have time to prepare and get a lot of sleep for this, you know? Oh, that would mess with your schedule. Yeah, your body's going, wait, I'm supposed to be sleeping. <laughs> oh, for sure. So that's why I guess Crafty always has a lot of coffee and cappuccinos and things like that available, you know? Um, and some people take naps and holding when they're not being used and things like that when you have a little bit of downtime. Uh, that happens on a lot of film sets. You'd be surprised how many people are sleeping and holding. And that's acceptable. You know, the main thing is that you show up on set on time when you're working on a TV show or a movie. And then if they don't need you, a lot of people do take a nap. Like when we were doing Army of the Dead, there were a lot of no uh, zombies like laying on the floor sleeping. Could you sleep with all that makeup on though? Like wouldn't it? People were sleeping with it on. Yeah, they would like be laying on the floor or something like that. I guess you just have to position yourself so you're not going to like, you know, mess it up or something like that. Like sleep on your back. Smear it all up. Not on your side. You have to definitely sleep on your back um, on the floor or something like that. And then take a little nap. You know, so you see all these zombies like laying around sleeping or zombies eating snacks and whatever. Some people had a lot of makeup on and had a lot of prosthetics maybe around their mouth area where it would have been more challenging for them to eat, drink, and things like that, and maybe sleep. Everybody kind of had a slightly different um, makeup application process. Okay. Depending on what kind of zombie you were, and maybe like how you died or, or how gory you are or something like that, you know, everybody looked a little bit different. You know, my, my zombies that I was uh, were not too too bad um i was a nun zombie and then i was also a um a zombie with like long hair wearing like a half shirt and ripped up jeans and things like that so i had a, i had a pretty interesting time and it was interesting shooting all the scenes and everything people on the set were really you know really nice the makeup artists were really amazing on army of the dead you know zach schneider was great everybody was great you know i had I, i'm glad i did it i had an amazing time it was over, you know, too quickly in a sense. I know some people were complaining about how long the shoots were and stuff like that. But that's the thing with every film that you work on, whether it's uh, or TV show, is it is a lot of long days. It's not like a nine to five job where you're going to be done in like seven, eight hours. Sometimes it works out that way, but not usually. A lot of times it does not. Right. Because this is a certain amount of time. And it's all going to get done in that time, as opposed to the nine to five, which is going to carry on for 30 years. You know, they need it done in 12 days. <laughs> so your days might be very long. Oh, for sure. Because we're, you know, especially with the TV shows and the movies, you're on a very strict uh, deadline. I'm sure they need to get things done um, and things like that. And then obviously when you're doing a lot of these films, if you go past 10 hours, you're getting overtime. Oh, okay. Well, that's good for you. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we got a lot of overtime in like Army of the Dead because once you go over 10, you know, you have like seven hours of overtime. Nice. Very. Yeah. Nice. So then you could be making, you know, a decent amount of money doing stuff like that. And then here you are just a zombie sleeping on the floor until they need you and things like that, you know, or reading a book or whatever. Um, you know, everybody looked pretty funny just like laying around as zombies. <laughs> that would be such a picture, too. <laughs> you know, reading a book as a zombie, laying around as a zombie, you know, talking to each other as a zombie, you know, hey, what's up? And then well, I remember we did, when the movie came out, we did a screening of the film with some of us uh, zombies at the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. What? It was during the pandemic, of course, but we were outside. I think it was like on a, a cool like October day evening. And then, you know, they had a, like a, like a nice big projection screen. And we all watched it together. You know, the people we were zombies with all sitting there together watching ourselves on, this, on the screen as our zombie selves. 
Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, because that's part of the thing. It's it's nice, the whole acting process, because, you know, you're preparing for the film, you do the film, and then it's really fun to go to screenings of the film or these red carpet events for the film and and, and just, like, really enjoy um, the end products. No doubt. And finally well, being able to see it, you know, out there, you know. And, and you know, an Army of the Dead took a really long time to come out. Uh, as I said before, you know, whether it's an indie film or it's a mainstream film, sometimes it takes a really long time for films to come out. Like, for instance, I've been waiting for that uh, Jared Leto movie, uh, Morbius, to come out for a couple of years already. Oh, yes. <laughs> you and me both, right? I really want to see that. It's, I love Jared Leto. He's, he is like a vampire. Yeah, fantastic. He, it's. I, I'm, I'm amazed. He's. He just had his 50th birthday. He looks fantastic. And it was um, supposed to be January of this year, but it got pushed back to April. I think. Exactly right. He keeps on getting pushed around. Um, I think because the pandemic and also because of the success of Spider-Man. Yeah. And things like that. They don't want to have another superhero movie uh, following Spider-Man that closely now. Um, give it a little bit of space, I guess, in between, which I'm sure makes sense. And even with these indie films or films like Army of the Dead, which is not an indie film, you know, they really are very conscious of when they want the film to come out, that they think it's going to do the best. Um, it's going to have the best audience, like what time of the year and things like that. You know, it's all things to think about for sure. You know, timing is a, is a really big thing when it comes to uh, to releasing a movie. For big sure. time, big time, big time. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sitting for this. Um, stick around because I'm going to pick Genevieve's brain more on the feature film version of Attack of the Killer Chickens. And we're going to see maybe what some of her picks are for her best films from her catalog. So stick around. Stick around.